Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. So first of all, let's talk about eggs. What are eggs? So eggs, chicken eggs, we're talking about chicken eggs here because that's the most common kind of egg that we eat in the United States, chicken eggs. So chicken eggs are part of the reproductive cycle of the chicken. So when eggs, egg laying hens lay eggs, they don't lay all the whole year. Um, but when they do lay eggs, they lay about one egg per day. And it's a cycle that the female chicken goes through. Most of the eggs are going to be unfertilized. And the ones that we eat in the United States, for the most part, especially if they're from factory farms, they are unfertilized, meaning that there is not a chicken embryo growing inside of it. What is it composed of? Well, an egg is made to grow a baby chicken. So that's what's in it. So there's an egg white, which is two thirds of the egg. And that's intended to provide cushioning and protection for the growing embryo, but it also does provide some nutrients. Egg white is composed of 90% water and 10% protein, but there is no fat in the egg white, okay? It's mostly water and protein. The egg yolk is intended to supply energy and also some nutrients to the developing embryo. It is mostly composed of fat, but it also has protein, vitamins, and mineral. The fat is both unsaturated and saturated fat. And it also has vitamins A, D, E, and K, and some beneficial minerals. Why? Because it's intended to grow a little baby chicken, and that's the only nutrition, that's the only supply of food that they have the whole time they're growing as an embryo. Unlike mammals, where we have an umbilical cord that goes to the growing um, fetus from the placenta that helps nourish the baby the whole time. When it comes to eggs, they have to have everything in that egg for them to grow until they're ready to hatch and be born and eat, okay? So because of this, um, you know, they have all those vitamins in there, which is good, but they don't have two very important things that I'll talk about a little bit more later. Fiber, because only plants have fiber. They also don't have vitamin C, which is a very important nutrient that we get from plants. One thing I wanted to clarify, because I don't know why there's a lot of confusion about this, but eggs are not dairy. Eggs and dairy are not the same. They don't have the same proteins at all. So dairy is from mammary secretions from a mammal, and it's made to nourish a baby after they're born, okay? So dairy has dairy proteins. I already did 
uh, an episode and a live on replacing dairy in your diet. So if you want to know more about dairy, check that episode out. But dairy and egg are not the same thing. However, they have different proteins and those different proteins can affect us in different ways, which I'll talk about later. One of the benefits of eggs is that they are a dietary source of vitamin D. There is also something in the plant world that can give you vitamin D, and that is mushrooms that have been exposed to UV light. However, the main way that humans have evolved to produce vitamin D is through the sunlight, exposure to sunlight. But nowadays, because of being indoors, wearing clothing, wearing sunscreen, we don't get as much vitamin D that way. And so a lot of us have to take a supplement anyway. Although eggs do have vitamin D in them, because they own, one egg only has about 40 international units of vitamin D, you would need to eat 15 eggs per day to get the minimum daily recommended amount. And most people are taking more than the minimum recommended amount. So it's not necessarily a high source of vitamin D, but it is in there. Okay, so why do we eat eggs? In the United States, believe it or not, every year, or at least in 2019, it's going up every year because we're eating more and more eggs. 99 billion eggs are produced commercially. 99 billion eggs every year in the United States are produced commercially. And in 2019, the per capita egg consumption was 289.5 eggs per person per year, which comes out to about five and a half eggs per week for each person. This has actually increased 16% over the past 20 years. Now you might say, actually, I don't eat eggs that much. I don't eat scrambled eggs or, you know, sunny side up or fried eggs or whatever. Well, we're not actually eating eggs directly as much. We're eating more eggs in other products. So in processed foods and cakes and cookies and sauces and dressings and things like that. So even though the actual direct egg consumption has gone down, we're eating more eggs overall in general from all of the other foods that include eggs in them. Why do we eat eggs? Well, I think we eat eggs because there are they're a good source of calories. Just like I talked about with dairy and with meat. We have evolved to be creatures that take advantage of our environment. That's why there's so many of us. We can feed ourselves well and we can feed ourselves with lots of different things eggs being one of them. So we've evolved to be able to eat eggs and to enjoy eggs. Time for a confession. The only thing I miss as a vegan on a plant-based diet is eggs. Before I went vegan, I really loved eggs. Now I didn't eat eggs every day or probably not even every single week, but I really enjoy scrambled eggs and omelets and egg salad and those kinds of things. I just like the flavor and the texture of egg. And I think that just like the reason I like dairy, the reason I like egg is because it is a good fat source and I love the flavor of fat. And egg I just thought was really delicious. So I think we eat eggs because it's a good source of calories and we like to make sure that we're getting sufficient calories for our survival. 
Now, a lot of people eat eggs because it's been promoted as a good source of protein. Yes, egg does have protein, obviously. However, it also has cholesterol and saturated fat. So, you know, one of those things to just know about eggs, why we eat them and how much we eat them, it's a lot. So let's talk about why we may consider not eating eggs. And that is because it does have some disadvantages and some health risks. Just like I said before, when it comes to any animal product, whether it's meat, eggs, or dairy, they contain zero fiber. So there's no fiber in animal products and antioxidants are either zero or very low, depending on what it is, where it was sourced and that kind of thing. So we know that fiber is a very health promoting component of our diet. It not only helps us feel full and keeps us regular, but it decreases our risk of chronic disease by binding to excess hormones and cholesterols and helping us eliminate it in our waste. Okay, so we want to have fiber. Whenever we eat more foods that don't have fiber, even if those foods were neutral, like say there weren't other risks of eggs. If we're eating eggs, and especially if we start eating more eggs, what it's doing is it's displacing more plant foods in our diet that might be able to give us more benefits. So even if it were neutral, which they're not, I'm gonna tell you why, why they're not neutral to our diet, it would be displacing some more health-promoting foods, okay? So that's the first thing. So I'm gonna talk about five different health risks and then one other reason why you may wanna consider not eating egg. The first one, which I think is the most well-known that you've probably heard of before, is cardiovascular disease, okay? So cardiovascular disease, um, we know is increased with egg consumption. So each egg has about 200 milligrams of cholesterol. All animal products, no matter what it is, contains cholesterol, okay? So they're all going to have some form of cholesterol on in them, depending on what it is, more or less. Eggs tend to be a very concentrated source of cholesterol, but they also have saturated fat. So we know that those two things increase our risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, one point of clarification, cholesterol is essential to us because a lot of our cell membranes and different components of our body need cholesterol, but we don't need to consume cholesterol to have cholesterol. We make all the cholesterol that we need. When it comes to having high cholesterol, some people have genetic defects where they either make too much cholesterol, so even if they're not eating it, they may make too much cholesterol, or they absorb a lot of cholesterol from their food. The only foods that you're going to absorb cholesterol from are animal products. Plants do not have cholesterol. Cholesterol is an animal thing. That's what is in our cells, okay? So if you're eating animals, you're eating cholesterol. I got a special test done to be able to... um, identify my cholesterol. My cholesterol on a plant-based diet has been incredibly low. The lowest it's been total cholesterol is 100. But I think the last time I got it checked, it was like 116. So my total cholesterol is very low. But what's interesting is that I 
am a high absorber. So there are special tests that you can do to be able to tell whether you're a high absorber or a high producer. So because I'm a high absorber, if I were to be eating animal products, I would be absorbing a lot of cholesterol from those foods and I could potentially have high cholesterol. So it's a good thing that I eat a plant-based diet. But even if I were a high producer, like if I had a genetic defect or genetic variation that made it so that I produced a lot of excess cholesterol, that's still a reason not to eat animal products because then you're just adding to it. You're just adding to the overabundance of cholesterol. But why do we even care about this? Because whenever you're eating a diet that's high in saturated fat, high in cholesterol, and your blood cholesterol goes up, then it increases your risk of developing atherosclerosis. So that is when the plaques and the fat line your blood vessels, and that can create blockages in your blood vessels. And what does that lead to? Angina. Angina is chest pain from whenever your actual muscle of your heart is not getting enough oxygen because it's blocked. Heart attacks, myocardial infarction, that's another name for it, which a lot of people, their first symptom of heart disease is a heart attack, I think up to 25% of cases. Don't quote me on that, but I know it's pretty high. It's higher than you would think. Stroke, stroke can also be caused by atherosclerosis, chronic kidney disease, because the blood vessels in the kidneys are very small. And so if they get blocked, then your kidneys don't get oxygen, which is like really important for them to get oxygen. Uh, ED, which my episode is going to come out soon on Sunday with Dr. Spitz about that. Um, as well as, what's that last thing I was going to say? Oh, peripheral artery disease. So some people in the smaller arteries of their extremities, especially in their legs is when they may feel it. Whenever they're walking or trying to use those muscles, the muscles aren't getting enough oxygen. So they start having cramping and pain in their legs. So people that have cardiovascular disease can have all of these different things. And so whenever we have more foods that have high cholesterol and saturated fat, we can have more atherosclerosis, which leads to cardiovascular disease. Okay, so we don't want to have excess cholesterol in our bloods. Now, unfortunately, it does not take many eggs to significantly increase your disease risk. A study in the Journal of Atherosclerosis found that just three eggs, three eggs a week was associated with atherosclerosis in the carotid arteries. So those are the arteries, the big arteries of the neck that go up to your brain. We definitely want to have oxygen to our brain. And those people that had the highest egg intake had almost the same risk, as almost as much risk as people who smoked a pack a day of cigarettes. So eating a lot of eggs puts you at the same cardiovascular risk as a heavy smoker, a pack a day. So that's one of those things to realize. I put a link to the PCRM article where I got a lot of this information, uh, health concerns with eggs. And it's a link there if you want to take a look at it. There's also lots of egg videos on nutritionfacts.org where he talks about all of these facts. Okay, so cardiovascular disease, number one. Number two, cancer. Yes, cancer. So egg consumption is linked to certain types of cancer including colon, rectal, bladder, prostate, and breast cancer. So why would that be? 
Well, maybe it has to do with the egg protein. We know that we're eating too many animal proteins in general. And even though we've glamorized and we've promoted this high animal protein intake, high animal protein intake is associated with more cancers, okay? So that's something that we know. But there's another mechanism that may explain this, and it has to do with our gut bacteria. And this is so fascinating. So remember that we have a lot of gut bacteria that are living inside of us um, more than even our own cells, okay, is bacteria inside our body. So what can happen is one of the components of egg is choline. Ironically, the egg industry and promoters of eggs have been promoting choline as one of the reasons to eat eggs. But what can happen is the gut bacteria can take this choline and it can convert it eventually into something called TMAO. So TMAO gives feedback to the rest of the body. It can increase your risk of heart disease, but it also may increase our risk of cancer through an inflammatory process. Even just 1.5 eggs per week can increase your risk of colon cancer by five times compared to somebody that is only eating half an egg per week. And the more it's dose dependent, the more eggs you consume, the higher your risk of colon cancer increases. A 2011 Harvard study found that just 2.5 eggs per week increased a man's risk for developing prostate cancer by 81%, 81% compared to somebody that only consumed half an egg per week. So if you're concerned about cancer, if you have a family risk or family history of colon cancer, prostate cancer, bladder cancer, then you may want to consider eliminating or really cutting back on your egg consumption. Okay, the next health risk is diabetes. We know that we have a diabetes epidemic in this country. Diabetes is caused by insulin resistance, okay? We've talked about this several times on the podcast, so check out my diabetes episodes. Insulin resistance is exacerbated and even started by excess fat in our diet, okay? What are eggs? Eggs are 60% fat, okay? So whenever we're eating eggs, and most people don't eat just one egg, they eat like two or three eggs at a time, that is a big load of fat. So for people that are susceptible and already have insulin resistance, it's going to exacerbate, make that insulin resistance worse, increase the risk of diabetes. A review study also in the Journal of Atherosclerosis found that people who consume the most eggs increased their diabetes risk by 68%. Just three eggs per week increased the risk of diabetes by almost 40%. And egg consumption also increases the risk of gestational diabetes and total mortality when they compared non-egg eaters to egg eaters, okay? So- Remember, if you have risk for diabetes, that insulin resistance is going to be made worse by the fat in those eggs. Another thing that you've probably heard of, it's very common because we have outbreaks all the time, is infection risk. So what kind of bacteria do we usually encounter on eggs? Salmonella. Well, as I did research for this episode and for this Facebook Live, I learn something I did not know before. So we usually think about salmonella coming from feces. So the intestines, the digestive tract of 
the egg or the chicken, the female chicken laying the egg. So whenever she lays the egg, the outside of the egg can get contaminated with salmonella. However, eggs are usually cleaned on the outside. They have special procedures that help remove that. So that's good. But one thing I didn't understand and I didn't realize is that the inside of the egg can be contaminated, not from the outside of the egg. So I always thought, okay, you crack the egg, some of the bacteria on the outside might've gotten on the inside of the egg and that's how you transmit it. And I was thinking the inside of the egg is always sterile. That's wrong. So female chickens, they can actually be infected with salmonella in their ovaries. And whenever they're producing the egg, that salmonella can be inside the egg. Crazy. I have no clue. And so then when you eat eggs that are undercooked, which a lot of people do, they have over easy and eggs that have some runny yolk. And if that wasn't cooked well enough, you will not be killing that bacteria. It is estimated that between one in 10,000 and one in 20,000 commercially produced eggs is contaminated with salmonella, despite all the measures that they take to decontaminate their eggs. And you probably heard it, we have recalls, you hear them in the news all the time, of big batches of eggs that were contaminated. About 142,000 people are infected each year from salmonella, from chicken eggs in the United States, and about 30 die. So those are people that didn't have to die. They died because they got salmonella from eating eggs. Can you believe that? That's crazy. So that's another risk that you can have from eggs. Another one is allergy and intolerance. Eggs are in the top list, the top five list of foods that produce allergies. As many as 2% of children are going to be allergic to eggs. Some of these kids can have anaphylaxis. It's not pretty. It's not good. The good news is about half of them will outgrow it by the time they're adolescent. So that's good because we don't really want kids to have anaphylaxis. It's dangerous, very bad. However, eggs can also be associated with eczema in more of a sensitivity way. Not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily be allergic to eggs for it to cause sensitivities in your body. And there's people that have true egg intolerance, meaning that they cannot digest the egg protein, so they may have stomach pain and discomfort, bloating, those kinds of things, okay? So those are all the health reasons. And then the final reason I wanna just remind you about, remember how I talked about how in 2019, there were 99 billion eggs produced in the United States? Well, there's a lot of chickens that have to lay that, and chickens are not machines, they're living creatures. In the United States, there's 340 million commercial egg-laying hens. 340 million chickens that are being used day in and day out like machines to produce eggs. And they don't have a beautiful, comfortable life, okay? It's, in some cases, a very miserable, painful existence full of suffering. So if that's something that resonates with you, if that's something that you care about, that's something to think about. And of course, I'm talking about factory farmed eggs here. This is not your idyllic farm life with the eggs roaming free and pecking at the dirt and having fun. That's not how the majority of these eggs live or these chickens live. So 
If you're more interested in that, there's plenty of videos online. I can't watch them anymore because it's very difficult for me, but just something to consider. Okay, so that's enough information on why maybe you should consider not eating eggs or severely decreasing the amount of eggs in your diet. So how do we replace egg in our diet? Thankfully, it's possible. We can do it with plant-based ingredients. And the advantages are we can do it with plants that have fiber, have antioxidants, are filling, and are delicious and do not contribute to animal cruelty or exploitation. So let's talk about the number one thing is baking. So when it comes to baking, you don't have to worry. It's so easy. I mean, this is one of the easiest things that people don't realize is that you can bake vegan so easily and you won't know the difference. In fact, it'll probably taste even better in some ways because you don't have the eggy taste. I don't like the eggy taste in baked goods. I don't. Some people may maybe, but I don't. So you don't have that eggy taste. Let me just throw out a few of these. I also put a little link to a substitution guide that you can use. And in the download for this episode, there will also be a guide that you can look at. So um, flaxseed and chia seeds, super easy. One tablespoon of ground flaxseed or a tablespoon of chia seed with three tablespoons of water. You let that sit and it creates an egg-like substance that you can use in place of one egg. One egg can also be replaced by a quarter cup of applesauce or any other fruit, or you can use sweet potato, pumpkin. And you know what's great about using things like that is it makes whatever you're making, especially if you're making something like banana bread, it makes it moist. Like if you're making muffins, oh, it makes it so moist and delicious. You can also use half a mashed banana. Some people don't like that because it might give a banana flavor. Um, but these things also reduce the calorie density because remember, egg, 60% fat. When we're using these plant-based things, especially fruits and uh, different uh, more starchy vegetables, they're actually lower in calorie density than that egg would be. You can also use silken tofu for a lot of recipes. Um, a quarter cup of silken tofu is about one egg or a nut butter. So peanut butter or some other nut butter, three tablespoons of nut butters can replace one egg. Now, depending on your recipe, some of these may be more appropriate than others. So I imagine for like a cookie recipe, a nut butter would be amazing. So just kind of think about what you're making and what might make a good egg replacer. There's also commercially produced egg products. So one of the companies is Just Egg that you can use uh, for scrambles and omelets and things like that. But you can also use that in place of an egg in all of your recipes. There's a boxed egg replacer that you can use that is in a powder and you just mix with water and you can use that as well. And for a binder, like say you're making veggie patties or some vegan um, meatloaf or something like that. You can easily use breadcrumbs, oats, and mashed potatoes. So there's so many different options, and I will be listing all of these on the download for this episode. To replace egg in sauces, gravies, and puddings, you can use things like cornstarch, flour, and arrowroot powder. So it's lots of different options for your baking saucy world. So let's talk about where it gets a little bit more difficult, egg dishes. So we can replace egg in all of those recipes that call for egg super simply. 
But how about when we're going to make scrambled eggs or omelets? So it does get a little bit more complicated, but it's not as hard as you think. Okay. One thing that might be difficult for some people that are used to egg is replicating the texture of egg. I don't think you'll ever get exactly the same, but there are some commercially made products that are getting pretty close in my opinion, but you can use whole foods as well. There is a secret, very special ingredient that's really going to help you when you're trying to replicate these egg dishes. And it's called black salt or kala namak. You make sure that it's called kala namak, not Himalayan black salt. That's something different, okay? The reason that this ingredient is so special is because it tastes eggy. It has a sulfuric eggy flavor to it, and it's also salty. So you can add it to the recipe and it gives it that flavor. It's super incredible. You may not be able to find it locally if you live in a small town. I ordered mine on Amazon. I got a bag like this big and I've had it for eight years. So um, you can definitely order it online. It won't be a problem. Okay, so let's talk about egg dishes. The three most common ways that we eat our eggs in the United States is omelet, huevos rancheros, and fried eggs, okay? So let's talk about scrambled eggs first because I think that's one of the easiest egg recipes to replicate. And there's several things that you can use here. The most common is tofu. Using a block of firm or extra firm tofu, super simple. You just press the excess water out of it. You crumble it. You add onion powder, garlic powder, nutritional yeast, some turmeric for color, your black salt, and scramble it all up. You can add veggies to it or not. And then you can eat that. You can eat it plain. You can put it in a wrap. You can put it in a sandwich. You can eat it with some roasted potatoes. And it's very quick to make. And I'll be linking some recipes in the download for this one. But another ingredient that you can use is chickpea Flour. So chickpea flour is super versatile and there's lots of recipes that you can use it in to replicate egg dishes. So basically you just make like a batter. You make a chickpea flour batter with your chickpea flour and some plant milk and some spices and then you're able to scramble that up or you can make an omelet. So what's an omelet? So scrambled eggs, basically you get the eggs, you beat them and then you make it into a scramble. And so it's pretty easy to make because you can just scramble everything together when you're doing the tofu. Omelets are a little bit, uh, require a little bit more skill because what you're doing is that you're cooking your little patty and then you're folding it over and you wanna have like a nice cooked round little um, egg patty. And so we can also use tofu for that, but usually we use silken tofu so that it's a little bit more liquidy and so then you can kind of pour it into your pan, cook it, flip it, and then put your ingredients in there. Of course, you can also use chickpea flour for this. Chickpea flour works great for this whenever you're making it in your pan. So I'll include some recipes for that. Fritata. So a frittata is like an open-faced omelet or a crustless quiche is basically what it is. It's a little bit thicker than an omelet and it's got lots of veggies and deliciousness in it. And you can use, you can eat it either warm or room temperature. It's a great brunch food. I have some recipes with tofu, but also mung beans from Minimalist Baker has a recipe where she used split mung beans to replicate the texture and the color of the 
egg in the frittata. And of course, then you add all your veggies in there. I don't know about you, but I'm getting like super hungry. Like my stomach is growling while I'm talking about this. Okay. And then quiche. So quiche is very similar to a frittata, but it has a crust. So basically the same thing. You can use tofu. You can use the uh, chickpea flour again. And then using the crust, um, that's no problem to make a vegan crust that you're going to be pouring your batter into with all of the veggies and making a delicious quiche to have for your brunch. Fried egg. So this is probably like one of those super high level skills to be able to replicate a fried egg, but it is possible and there's lots of recipes on the internet. What people have been doing is making the egg white with tofu that they kind of cut and make into that shape. Then they make a hole and then they make, um, they put together a certain ingredients to make a runny egg to be able to put in there. So it is possible. And there's recipes that I included here for vegan huevos rancheros with a tofu fried egg. It looks amazing. It will require a little bit more work and several steps, but it is possible. Egg salad, that's a little bit easier because just like scrambled eggs, you're kind of mushing stuff up. So traditionally, egg salad is made from hard-boiled eggs that are then mashed up and mixed with spices and other ingredients. So a vegan version can easily be made with either tofu or whole chickpeas. Delicious. And don't forget to add that black salt in there, put all your yummy ingredients. That's going to be no problem. Deviled eggs. So I've seen some great recipes using potatoes to replicate deviled eggs. So you roast or steam your potatoes, you cut a hole out of it, then you make your little, you know, yolky thing and put it inside. So traditionally deviled eggs, it's a hard boiled egg split in half, take out the yolk, mix it with some stuff and put it back maybe a little bit spicy, which is what the deviled part is coming from. But whenever you make uh, this recipe that I'm going to link from Forks Over Knives, you're using potatoes and it turns out really delicious. And then finally, I'm going to tell you about meringue. So I covered this a little bit in one of the other sections that I talked about. But meringue, which is traditionally a cookie made from egg whites, whipped egg whites and sugar, can be made with aquafaba. Do you remember what aquafaba is? Aquafaba is chickpea juice. So basically the brine from chickpeas that are canned, or if you cook them yourself, after you cook the chickpeas, the water that's left from the chickpea cooking pot, (laughs) um, that is called aquafaba. And you can actually mix that. You can mix it with cream of tartare, sugar, maybe a little vanilla or almond extract, whip it up, and you can bake it into meringue cookies. Meringue cookies are very light and airy, but also crispy. And believe it or not, I've made these before. I could not believe it. I mean, they are incredible. But what I love the most about it is that they don't taste like egg. So if you like the texture of meringue cookies, but you don't like the egg flavor, then definitely try to make aquafaba meringue cookies and you can flavor them different ways, but it it's just amazing. Okay, there you have it. That is how to replace egg in your diet, how many we eat, why we eat them, why you may want to consider not eating them, and ways that you can replace them in your plant-based diet. 
many of the times with whole foods. So I know that you can do this. If you have questions, reach out and have fun. Have fun experimenting, playing around in your kitchen. Don't be afraid. Just try it. Try different ways to replace egg. And I promise you it's going to be delicious. So thank you guys for watching and for listening. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.